Angela Yee and Charlemagne the God. The Breakfast Club, bitches. <laughs> the voice of the culture. People watch The Breakfast Club for like news and really be tuned in. It's one of my favorite shows to do just because y'all always keep it 100, y'all keep it real. They might not watch the news, but they're on Twitter, they're on Facebook, they're, you know, they're listening to The Breakfast, the Breakfast Club. Get your ass up. All right. Well, it's so far just me. Now, today's a special day. It is August 28th. It's also, is today hump day? Hump day! All right. Well, it's also Angela Yee Day. Every year on August 28th is Angela Yee Day, the mayor here in New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio. Last year declared August 28th Angela Yee Day, so I have a lot of activities happening today. I did a pre-day Yee Day yesterday. Shout out to Stock X and Live Nation, B Nation. I actually used the Live Nation rooftop and had a nice little mixer for everybody that's helped me in my life. I know for all of us out there that are successful or doing what we're doing or on our way to trying to get our lives together, there's so many people that actually have to support you. And so that was kind of what I did yesterday, kind of a thank you to everybody that's been supportive of me and all my efforts in the community and in my career and starting different businesses. So, yes, and thank you guys who listen to the show, too, because that means a lot. I love when I'm out and about and I get to meet people. Uh, now, Envy is on vacation. His birthday is next week. And Charlemagne, you know what it is. <laughs> it's uh, He was on time yesterday, so today we can't do that two days in a row. Because then you know how it is. People get used to you being somewhere at a certain time when you're supposed to be there, and then they expect that. So sometimes you can't do that too many times in a row because then they just take it for granted that you get to work on time. But today is Yee Day, so I have a huge event happening in Brooklyn. Uh, shout out to everybody that's going to be coming out performing. It's also the West Indian Day Parade here, which is one of the biggest parades in New York City. And that goes down Labor Day weekend every single year. So I'm doing a lot of pre-activities because my family is, half of my family is from the Caribbean. So I like to celebrate that every year. So this year we're really going to do it big with VP Records, Reggae Gold. So for all of you fans of Reggae, Soca, Calypso out there, today I'm doing something big in Brooklyn. And I'll make sure that I document it. I know I haven't been that great on my social media lately because life. You know how it is. Uh, now, do we have any guests today? Because normally that's not really what I do. Normally that's Envy. Alright, good. Thank you, Eddie. We have a whole sheet rundown of what's happening. Uh, so today we have... Nicole Hannah-Jones. She wrote the 1619 Project for the New York Times. She's a reporter for the New York Times. Also, of course, this morning we are doing Get It Off Your Chest. So you guys get to call in and join me and get it off your chest. That phone number is 800-585-1051 for you to call up and get it off your chest. Maybe you're feeling mad today. Maybe you're feeling blessed and you want to spread some positivity on Angela Yee Day. You know, call us up right now and we'll get into it. It's The Breakfast Club. Say my name. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. It's time for front page news. What we got, Yee? All right, well, let's talk about a man. Imagine this. You're traveling back to the United States from Jamaica, and with you, you bring three jars of honey. Would you think that would cause you to go to jail for almost three months? It depends if honey is illegal and wherever the hell you're traveling from. Because, you know, when you come from these different places, they tell you that you can't bring certain goods and you have to uh, declare it. Well, honey is not illegal. It was just three jars of honey. And Leanne Houghton was flying back from Jamaica. And apparently they told him that he had a controlled substance that he was trying to bring into the country. It was a methamphetamine, they said. 
And he's from, he lives in Maryland. He spent 82 days in jail after he got arrested December 29th. He stayed there until March. That's when the charges were uh, dropped against him. And they found out there was no controlled substance in those jars of honey, according so to a do? lab. So now he wants to sue, but when he came home, he lost all of his insurance, his credit was destroyed, he lost his job, everything's a mess, he has six children, so he lost all of that while sitting behind bars for doing nothing wrong. So who tested honey. the honey and it said it was meth in it? Well, according to authorities, they said that when they searched the bag, uh, the, the honey tested positive. For drugs, you know how they swab it when they they're like, okay, if you get a random search or something happens, you get flagged, and then they put that little uh, that wipe on you, and then they can search it. And, and they said there were drugs, and then they also said that a specially trained drug sniffing dog was alerted to the presence of a controlled dangerous substance, and a preliminary test done by police officers tested positive. They tested it positive. You can't request a second opinion when stuff like that happens. Well, they did end up getting one, but I guess it took three months until the lab in Georgia tested it out and found there was no signs of drugs. So who who, who could he sue? Uh, I guess he can probably sue, I would think, uh, Customs. And he said there will be lawsuits coming soon. As they should. All right. Now, Dorian, Tropical Storm Dorian, is is expected to make landfall in Puerto Rico today. They've closed schools today in Puerto Rico. They said there will be dangerous rains in the island. And a lot of people are traveling this weekend, so just be careful. I was supposed to go to Miami, actually, on Friday. And the whole event got canceled because they're expecting some pretty serious tropical storms. So right now, Tropical Storm Dorian is in the Caribbean Sea, right near Guadalupe and Montserrat. And they said it will reach Puerto Rico in the midday or afternoon today. So they do have 360 shelters available across the island that can hold about 48,000 people. And if you like to travel, by the way, Delta Airlines is hiring 1,000 flight attendants for their 2020 class. So if you ever thought about becoming a flight attendant, now is the time for you to try to get in there on Delta Airlines. All right, and Popeye's is out of their chicken sandwiches. They've sold out. They posted on Twitter, y'all, we love that you love the sandwich. Unfortunately, we're sold out for now. So that whole inventory is gone. Now, they do say when they bring that sandwich back, it'll be back for good next time. So it won't be just something that they're testing anymore. When they bring the sandwich back, it's back for good. I'm so damn tired of hearing about chicken sandwiches. I don't want to eat nobody's chicken sandwich at this point. I haven't had the Popeye's chicken sandwich yet. But at this point in my life, I don't want nobody's chicken sandwich. I'm just tired of hearing the word chicken sandwich. Y'all ain't heard chicken too much this week? You talked about it a, a lot. I talked about it when it first started. That was like a, a week ago before the hoopla. It was hoopla. a couple of weeks ago. No. Yeah, that was way before the hoopla. There was hoopla before you started talking about it. Well, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I heard it was about a lot it. of hoopla before that. I heard about it because of the, the, the young ladies who work here, and they said how good it was. And Dan, our producer, said how good it was. And I was yeah, going to try it that one day. It. And they were beefing on Twitter. Chick-fil-A was beefing with Wendy's and Popeye's, and all of them were uh, beefing about it before that. Yeah, that was much later after I suggested that I want to eat one. So it was it. That was two weeks ago I was talking about it. Yeah, no, trust me. It was already a big deal before, because when you when you started talking about it, everybody was like, yeah, you didn't hear about it already? Well, guess what? I'm over it. Well, get ready for KFC, because they're going to be doing that Beyond Meat Fried Garbage. Chicken. So I'm going to try it. Garbage. And I'll let y'all know how it is. Chick- but I think they're only doing it in Atlanta at first. So I'll be in Atlanta in a... Oh, they're only testing it at one location in Atlanta. I just don't understand how people cannot want to eat genetically modified chicken, but then run to KFC to go eat genetically modified chicken. Beyond it, Beyond Meat is not genetically modified. If oh you look at God. their website, it says non-GMO Listen, specifically. If it's plant-based chicken, it's genetically modified. You have to make that somewhere. 
I'm telling you. <laughs> like you have to make that somewhere. Right now, if you look at it, it's non-GMO, and that's approved by the FDA. Well, so whoever got the chicken garden out there that's growing the chickens, please holler at me so I can know it's not GMO. I need to see the chickens on the vine or <laughs> something, all right? I need to see them grow from the root. Well, the, they already started testing it in Atlanta, and it sold out in five hours in that location. Because people think they're eating something healthy. If you stamp healthy on something and stamp vegan on something, people will rush to do it in this era. Yeah, I mean, and didn't, like, we just, didn't, didn't we just talk about how the Beyond Meat ain't really that good for you? Yeah, it's just if you're a vegetarian and you don't eat meat, it's an option for you. So, but what is it? Uh, it's uh, I, pea isolate. I, I, I don't know what that is. That sounds like something you got to get a shot for. All right, well, that is your front page news. I'm Angela Yee. Yes, and we got uh, Get It Off Your Chest, 1-800-585-1051. If you want to vent about anything, or if you just want to tell us how blessed you are, call us right now. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So, so you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Happy Hump Day. It's The Breakfast Club, and it's time for you to get it off your chest. Good morning. Who's this? Mello from Long Island. What's up, Mello? What Mello, you want to get off your King? chest? Man, happy ye day. Thank um, you. I got a little bone to pick with Charlemagne. We, we, everybody discussed this. I don't understand why you don't get it. When you come in, hit the yo. Oh, my bad. We need that. My bad. We need that. I'm a, you want me to do it right now? Of course, bro. All right. Yo, 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 yo. Now, answer me a question. How does it feel to make a man scream on request? I have no idea, actually. That's a great question. But, man, how do I get How do I get to the E-Day, man? I want to show some support. I'm going to be in Brooklyn today. Okay, well, it's at Restoration Plaza from 3 to 8 today. So it's all free activities all day. So just come on through. Bring the family. We're going to have a good time. It's like a pre-day also for the West Indian American Day Parade. So we got a lot of performances and a lot of special surprises. Oh, I'm going to definitely be there. And Charlemagne, now that I thought about it, it makes it feel good to make a man scream on request. Okay. okay all right. Go. Good Drop job. Drop on a cool bombs for you, baby. Embrace all, all all layers of yourself, sir. Good morning. Who's this? It's time to yeah, get it up your chest. Up, what's up? Uh, it's Yee Day. Is this Trav? Yes, Trav. Trav, you made my day, man. I'm, I know you coming out for Yee Day. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely coming out. I'm actually gonna, um, I'm actually gonna leave like around nine to try to be traffic. Oh. And, All right. Well, good because yeah, we're so doing gonna... some special things beforehand, which I'm gonna announce in a minute. But I'm gonna text you and let you know so you know ahead of time. Hey, what's up, Shark? What up, sis? How are you? I'm doing good. I got, I got a little something for you, so I got, I got a little something for you, Shark. I'm gonna give it to Taylor later. What you got for me, my G? Nah, you know, I, mean, I got some cake for you. Hey, oh, some tasty cake. Nice. What flavor? <laughs> You know, it's Tasty Cakes. You hey! Know, tasty. That's right. I love okay. Tasty Cakes. I see y'all. I Listen, feel awkward. Um, I want to talk about something. Somebody has to let this man know. Uh-oh. Bobby Light. Leave Lil Nas X alone. Why are you mad at that yeah, man yeah, for man. shooting this shot? No, yo. I mean, he, he, he done shot his shot still about, about 1,500 times to keep missing every layup. Lil Nas X don't want you... You uh-huh. looking thirsty, looking like a Mick Chicken rapper on stage with your butt cheeks out, looking <laughs> pressed for everybody on stage to see you, looking pressed for the whole TV stage to see you. Leave Lil Nas X alone. I feel, I feel like you and Bobby Lights would get along. I feel like we probably may get along, but that doesn't mean Lil Nas X wants them. And you know what, though? It's interesting how everything is based on who you like. Because when Prince had his ass cheeks out, everybody thought it was so revolutionary and so amazing. Bobby Lights got his ass cheeks out. He's like, sit your dumb ass down. Hold on, Char, because you know why? 
Prince never would have had to keep, you know, creeping around the TV announcer on stage trying to make sure everybody gets butt cheeks out. That is true. <laughs> that is true. All eyes were on right. Prince. You're right. Yeah, I'll see you later, babe. All right, and we know we're going to have free Wingstop out there all day for everybody, so make sure you come and get that free essential water, free drink, fresh juice, all of that. All right, get it off your chest. You want to vent? You want to tell us why you're blessed? Call us right now, 1-800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It is The Breakfast Club. Happy Hump Day. Happy Wednesday. Happy Angela Yee Day. Now we are doing Get It Off Your Chest. So let us know if you're mad or if you're blessed. Good morning. Who's this? This is Jessica. What's up, Jessica? How you feeling? I'm fine. How are you? I'm so What's you feeling up, blessed? Jessica? No, I'm feeling blessed this morning. Talk to me. Well, I've been working two jobs all my life, and I finally met someone who is actually a great man. He just started his own business, and he told me because I work so hard, I don't have to work anymore. He's gonna take care of me and my kids, and I feel very blessed. Wow, that what a that's amazing! So now you get to kick back, relax, raise the kids, not have yes. to worry about going yes. to work. Yes. Are y'all married? Yes, we got married in June. Oh, well, that's a beautiful thing, man. I'm happy for you. Thank you very much. See, that's great when people come to an agreement. That's what she wants to do. That's what he would like for her to do, and they love it. Good morning. It's time to get it off your chest. Who's this? Hi, this is Victoria. Hey, Victoria. Hi. <laughs> you sound like you're in a good mood. Um, I'm actually headed to work. I just dropped my career all off. I'm headed to work. Um, I just want to get off my chest. I'm 24 years old, and I'm trying to find a way to get into the active business. I've been trying since I was 18, and I just don't know which direction to take because I'm from a small town and from and it's just like even when I go to like auditions in Miami, it's like you have to um pay twenty five hundred dollars just to get flued out to um <laughs> get flued out, out to um, <laughs> 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 out to Atlanta or California just to take the classes and stuff. And I don't have it. I'm in school. I'm working a full time job, and I'm a full time mom. Um, so I don't know what I, I don't know what to tell you. Your dreams cost, baby. It costs money to pursue your dreams. Ain't no acting. Uh, the, the acting. The acting classes is in L.A. and in Atlanta, so that's where you need to be. Yeah, you have to get your acting on. And I will say this: a lot of times you can audition for things too on video. So you should just make sure you pay attention to those opportunities. But you got to get out there and network, and you got to audition, and you have to perfect what, your craft. And what's the good website to do it at? Don't you got to have an agent? Doesn't an agent set up your uh, auditions? I mean, I don't know. If, if you can get an agent, but that's also not easy. You have to get to a point where an agent wants to sign you up. that's what I'm telling her, because I don't think it's a website you can go to and just upload videos of you auditioning. Cause, yeah, because they had, I had set up for the um, Tyler Perry emails to get the newsletters on when he have auditions. Mm -hmm. And I just, they was like, oh, well, you have to do this, do that. I'm like, okay, like, I don't mind doing that because I trust that. But all the other websites just like, oh, you have to send us in this well, make sure you look at Backstage.com because that's a very official place where you can see it. And they also have other actors audition tapes so you can see what those look like. So you can see some people who are famous now, what their audition tapes look like. So you can get some great ideas on how you should be looking. You should film yourself, too, so that when it's time for you to get those auditions, you're ready. So I always feel like it's important to get ready. And I don't understand why you're complaining about receiving directions. 
If you're calling these people and they're telling you what to do, that's not, you can't just say that's, they're telling me to do this and to do that. They're giving you directions on what to do. No, they want me to send in $800 and then they was like, and then I could come and audition. I'm like, I don't even know you guys. Oh, I don't know nothing really about that. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> it shouldn't cost no money to audition, but I would, I would definitely look at Backstage.com. Okay, thank you. No problem. That's Get It Off Your Chest. We do that every morning. Now, listen, I want to salute Nicole Hannah-Jones. She'll be here next hour. If you don't know who Nicole Hannah-Jones is, she's an American investigative journalist, and there's this great uh, piece in the New York Times that came out about a week and a half ago called The 1619 Project. And, you know, it's, it's all about 400 years after enslaved Africans were first brought to Virginia. A lot of Americans still don't know the full story of slavery, and they tell it in this 1619 Project. And Nicole Hannah-Jones will be here to talk about it next hour. Now we got to get it off your, uh, we got coming up next? Rumor, rumor report, report, right? Yes. Got a rumor report coming in? Rumor report is coming up, and we're going to talk about a comedian who handled things terribly wrong on stage. He's been up here to the Breakfast Club before. Also, we have to give a congratulations to a woman who has found her true love and also having a baby. All right. We'll talk about it. It's the Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Listen up. It's just in. All the guys. The Rumor Report with Angela Angela Yee. It's the Rumor Report. The Breakfast Club. All right, now Janelle Monet has apologized. For no reason. I didn't really think this was a bad idea, what her suggestion was, but everybody's trying to get those Popeye's chicken sandwiches, and we told you in the front page news that they are sold out for now. She said, perhaps we put voting booths at every Popeye's location. While we wait on that sandwich, you can register and vote at Popeye's Holla. What's the problem? Did it sound like a bad idea to me? And she has since apologized. For no reason. Buckle the social media pressure. She said, you know, when other people say things on here that are wrong and misguided, I wonder why don't they just admit they're wrong and learn from it? So I'm going to do that now. I think the tweets that I posted about registering and voting were insensitive and wrong, especially the way they ignored the very real issues of voter suppression that have impacted my community for years and me directly. Thanks to all of you for calling me out and helping me remember and refocus on the... The bigger issues. Listen, just because everybody gets outraged don't mean that they're right. You mean to tell me her suggesting that we should register people to vote is a problem? Like, there's a kid in Charlotte, North Carolina. His name was David Ledbetter. He did the same exact thing this weekend. He went to Popeye's and he was out there trying to register people to vote. Most of the people in the line were already registered, but who cares? He was out there doing his due diligence. When you want to register people to vote, especially young ones, you go where they are. Like, what's the problem? Don't well, buckle the social were, media for pressure. For some reason, people thought this was targeted toward black people, which oh, I didn't God. take it as that when I read it. Listen, some of y'all too every, woke. The reason Popeye's chicken sandwiches are sold out is because everyone's going to get them. Some of y'all too woke. You need some sleep. Y'all been woke too long and it's starting to affect your, like, just just, just minds, okay? You sound stupid. Because, by the way, if you pay attention, anywhere you go where there's a crowd over the next year, you're going to see people out there registering people to vote. I don't care if it's a concert. I don't care if it's Angela Yee Day. I don't care if it's at the mall. You're going to, wherever there's large crowds of people, you're going to see people out there registering people to vote for the next year. And we'll be out there helping register people to vote. Yeah, every, that's, that's all, If you actually pay attention, you will see that everywhere you go for mm-hmm. the next year. And by the way, just so y'all know, you can register to vote at the library as well. You all right. And online. Uh, Meek Mill has pleaded guilty again in that old gun case that he had. So finally, things are over and done with. He pled guilty to misdemeanor possession of a firearm without a license. And all of those charges, which he was originally convicted for, were all dropped. Back in 2008, he was found guilty of seven charges, four of which were related to the gun. So he spoke briefly after that, and he said this. Uh, Meek free. I'm not on probation no more. I don't have to go to court no more. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. 
Yeah, and I just wanted to come up here myself and thank all the supporters because I know uh, y'all probably got family members in jail or people going through the same thing as me. And I will continue to do what I do uh, with the reform movement and uh, help the people that help me. Yeah, salute to me. He fought his way out the system. Took a lot of money and resources, but he got it done. So now he got to pay it forward by continuing to help those who don't have those money and resources. No, he had a choice. He could have gone to trial if he wanted to, but he... Nobody got time for that. Yeah, he didn't feel like doing all that. It's all done over with clothes. Yeah, and Close please, and Meek, please, please keep your nose clean. Don't get arrested, all right? You know them. You know they on your ass right now. Why do I say keep your nose clean? Because I always think of drugs when people say that. Keep your nose clean. I don't know why they say that. It should be <laughs> keep your ass clean, right? Yeah, please. Yeah. All right, Cassie, congratulations. Like, why you look at me like that, Drum? Because like, that specifically like, pertains to you. Why you look at me like having a clean ass is disgusting? He's like, you got a clean ass? <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, Cassie, congratulations. Everybody knows she's pregnant, but she's also engaged. Lord have mercy. She shared on Instagram, my favorite day ever, Mrs. Fine. 824. Now, Masika commented, ladies, let Cassie and Sierra be a lesson for all of us. Get rid of the toxic men, people in your life. You can be with the man on and off for you. Why are you mad already? Not even finished reading it. Why are you sucking your teeth? Because there's one Cassie and there's one Sierra. Everybody got a different route to take to get to the loves of their life. Her point is, get rid of the toxic men, people in your life. You can be with the man on and off for years. Swear he loves you, but plays all day, waste your time, and causes you pain. The right man can come in your life and change everything overnight. Phew. Let me tell you something. Uh-oh. There's a woman out there that dated Cassie's now fiance, and there's a woman out there that dated Russell Wilson, and they think they trash. All right? So clearly, those men evolved, and those men grew. All right? So they might be better men now. You understand what I'm saying? It is not bad advice to get rid of toxic people in your life. No, of course not. That's great so advice. what you sucking your teeth about? Because she, like, she, everything don't apply to everybody. Okay? Everybody should get rid of toxic people in their life. Absolutely. But she specifically said Cassie <laughs> and Sierra as if the two dudes that they with were always great guys. You can Google Russell Wilson to see who he used to date, who he used to be out here chasing. All right? You over here snitching on the me? truth okay. to the matter, though. Like, like, let's not act like that. Everybody got their own work to do. Everybody got their own healing to do to get to a good place. <laughs> a little Charlotte T. Who he used to date? I mean, it's public knowledge. <laughs> All right. Well, Cassie is getting married and she is engaged. So congratulations to her. All right. I'm Angela Yee. And that is your rumor report. Charlamagne, T's front page news. We got front page news coming. <laughs> <laughs> what we got coming up in front page news. Yes, we are going to talk about a TV anchor who had to apologize to her co-host. Now, I'm going to give you a hint of something that happened. She's white and he's black. All right. We'll talk about it during front page news at the Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, the Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. It's Wednesday, goddammit, right? Yeah, all day. Today is Wednesday. All right, front page news. What we got, you? All right, well, let's talk about an Oklahoma City news anchor having to apologize to her co-host. Now, Alex Houston of KOCO's Five's morning show said she wanted to apologize to her co-worker, Jason Hackett, her colleague, because of something that she said that was very hurtful. There was a segment about an ape caretaker who took over the social media for the Oklahoma City Zoo. And while showing the video of a baby gorilla, this is what she said to her coworker. Okay, you have to see this. This is Finn. We're about to show... Oh, my goodness. Take a look at him. He's a resident of the Oklahoma City Zoo. And this week, the zoo's ape caretaker took over their Instagram. And we are all loving that they did. And as you can see, Finn was fascinated. Definitely ready for his close-up. Kind of looks like you. We need to take a picture. So she's white, he's black. So she basically told her black co-worker that the ape looks like him. Well, she has since apologized. I'm here this morning because I want to apologize. Oh, 
not only to my co-anchor, Jason, right. but to our entire community. I said something yesterday that was inconsiderate, it was inappropriate, and I hurt people. And I want you to know, I understand how much I hurt you out there and how much I hurt you. I love you so much, and you have been one of my best friends for the past year and a half, and I would never do anything on purpose to hurt you. As I sip some tea out of my white tears mug, uh, I just want y'all to know that generational trauma is real because nothing scares me more than a white woman crying. And it's amazing to me how she's crying because she's wrong, but I was afraid for that man as he was sitting there like he was about to get in trouble for making that white woman cry, even though he's in the right. Ain't that something? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Listen, it's never a good idea just for anybody out there to say that your black co-worker looks like an ape, a gorilla, a monkey. Even uh, if they do look like an ape, gorilla, <laughs> a monkey, keep that to yourself or whisper that to your little friends, oh all right, when gosh. nobody's around. <laughs> it's okay. All right, so she has apologized. Now, Purdue Pharma, we've been telling you about these opioid claims and settlements. They've offered 10 to $12 billion, Purdue Pharma, to settle opioid claims. So they met in Cleveland. They're the makers of OxyContin. And okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> they get a party popping. So they are responsible for starting and sustaining the opioid crisis. That's what it's been alleged. So at least 10 state attorney generals and uh, plaintiff's attorneys gathered in Cleveland where they actually sat down and came up with this. The Sackler family built a multi-billion dollar drug empire based on addiction according to the New Jersey Attorney General. And so now Purdue Pharma is offering that. Is it, uh, is it their fault, though? Because it's not like they was marketing the drugs for the use of, like, you know, for, for kids just to be getting high for recreation, right? Yeah, but they also grossly misrepresented the risks of using them long-term. For people who have chronic pain, they make it seem like it's not a bad thing. They don't talk about the addiction part of it. And a lot of times, these prescriptions are getting written out too easily. And isn't a lot of that on the doctor, though? Doesn't the doctor prescribe it and tell you, okay, be on it for this amount of time, and then that's that? It could have been misrepresented to the doctors as well, the way they market it. Uh, I just think it's so much gray area when it comes to that. Like, I'm just making the product. I'm not telling people how to use it. Well, clearly they feel responsible. If you make billions and billions of dollars off of people's pain, yeah. at some point you're responsible. So when are we going to sue these fast food restaurants then for giving all of us all Oh, of people diabetes? have sued. Oh. That's, well, that's happened. Well, Popeye's, y'all got some lawsuits coming y'all way. Because I know them Popeye's chicken sandwiches causing uh, well, high cholesterol. Popeye's chicken sandwiches are sold out. So they are going to bring it back. They said on Twitter... Y'all, we love that you love the sandwich. Unfortunately, we're sold out for now, but they are going to permanently add that. It seems like uh, people love it enough for that to happen. And again, I just want to reiterate to make sure that when you're traveling this weekend, pay attention. I know it is a holiday weekend. A lot of people are going to uh, the Caribbean. They're going to Florida. Just know that there are going to be tropical storms. Tropical Storm Dorian is hitting Puerto Rico today. They've actually closed the schools in Puerto Rico today. And I was supposed to go to Miami this weekend. That got canceled because of the tropical storms that are supposed to be coming. So, well, what parts of the Caribbean are supposed to be affected? Well, right now uh, in the Caribbean Sea, the Dorian is just west of Guadeloupe and Montserrat, where my mom is from. And it's reaching Puerto Rico today. So just make sure you keep checking because, you know, these storms can move. But uh, again, they said from Wednesday to Thursday, Puerto Rico could get four to eight inches of rain. They're saying Dominican Republic could get up to four inches. Uh, Haiti, Virgin Islands. So just be careful if you're traveling. All right. And check. Well, that's front page news. Listen, coming up next, we have a young lady named Nicole Hannah-Jones. She is an investigative journalist for the New York Times. I don't know if y'all have read this uh, article that they have called the 1619 Project, but it's just it's basically about 400 years after uh, enslaved Africans 
being brought to Virginia, a lot of Americans still don't know the full story of slavery. And the 1619 Project tells you the full story of slavery in a real way. And Nicole Hannah-Jones will be here on The Breakfast Club to talk about it, all right? It's The Breakfast Club. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. Nicole Hannah-Jones, welcome. Thank you. Now, she's a staff writer for the New York Times Magazine and author of the 1619 Project. Man, if you have not read the 1619 Project, you need to. Uh, it's infuriating, all right? But most stories about slavery are for, for black people. But what made you want to re- release this project now? It was a couple of things. So I've been obsessed with 1619 for a long time. I first came across that date in high school, and I had never been taught that people of African descent had been here that long, which felt very intentional. So as the anniversary, the 400th anniversary was approaching, I just knew most American households were going to, it was going to pass and people wouldn't even know it was an anniversary. Mm-hmm. We're not going to take this moment to commemorate what that meant. And it just seemed like a great opportunity to kind of uh, force this country to, to reckon with the legacy of slavery. And of course, what I'm arguing is 1619 is as foundational to the American story as the year 1776. Yeah, well you said, uh, I think you said in the article that um, th- there was no American democracy until black people, right? Yeah, for sure. So if you think about that, when Thomas Jefferson is writing the Declaration of Independence, saying that all men are created equal, um, uh, given inalienable rights by our creator, he owns 130 human beings yeah, and yeah, actually yeah. has his enslaved brother-in-law there with him to keep him comfortable as he's writing those words. And a majority of the founders were enslavers. They owned other humans. The Constitution codifies slavery and denies the vote to most Americans. So women can't vote under that original Constitution, Native people and Black people. That's not democracy. But Black folks actually took those words literally. Mm-hmm. And uh, really through 250 years of struggle and resistance, started to make our founding documents real. Yeah, it was something, you said something in one of these, I don't know, I think it was in chapter one, where you talked about how uh, slaves always rebelled. Yes. Like, you know, and I think that's what a misconception, especially when Kanye said slavery was a choice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're definitely not going to talk about what Kanye said about slavery because <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, we, people of African descent, rebelled before we even got to the slave ship. Mm-hmm. We were rebelling when they were trying to force us onto the ships. We rebelled on the ships. And we certainly rebelled. I mean, one of the very first slave rebellions occurs in the 1600s. Uh, constantly people were fighting. Of course they were. Like, it, it's illogical to think that people ever accepted slavery, but we also had to think about what the odds were, right? We had no weapons, no army, um, and many, you know, we were outnumbered in the United States, yet even so, we were constantly fighting a rebellion, and both using the law and using the same means as a revolutionaries um, in, in that we would, at times, take a violence to try to gain our freedom. What makes you so passionate about this project? Uh, because... I write about race and inequality for a living. And we all hear people look at the circumstances that black Americans live in today. And they say that this is just because somehow we're pathological. Somehow we don't want better. Uh, But we live in uh, circumstances that were intentionally created. And the anti-black racism that begins to justify slavery is the same anti-black racism that keeps black people in the conditions we are now. Uh, I think that we would prefer to deny the truth of our history. We want to believe that we are an exceptional country when really we were just one of many nations that practiced slavery, um, that deprived individuals of their rights. And so if we're ever going to truly address the conditions that people live in now, we have to deal with how we got here. And you can see that with the conservative activists that rushed to condemn your project. Uh, I think I think uh, Eric Erickson, he described the project as opinion writers who profit from seeing things through racial lenses and keeping racial tension aflame 
as much as Trump does. <laughs> well, one, you, you have to laugh at anyone who's mad that you see slavery through a racial lens. <laughs> since <laughs> slavery was clearly uh, created through a racial lens. But most of the conservatives who have uh, come out against the project, it's clear they haven't read a single word of it. They're not calling out the facts of it. They can't argue the facts. They just don't like what it's saying. And that's because we're not used to centering black folks. We're used to black people being either invisible or treated as the bottom. And what this project is saying is we're actually the real Americans. Mm -hmm. We believed in uh, equality and, and the ideals of the founding documents even when the founders did it. Ooh. And that makes people very upset, which I, like that. I expected. So what are your thoughts on reparations like as we've been talking about it what do you think about reparations and what do you I, think we should get if you believe in it <laughs> so you know I'm, I'm a journalist not an activist but what i will say is i don't know how you come uh you read this project and not come away with the realization that something is clearly owed i can feel you it can't from yeah, strip absolutely. away you know centuries of the ability to create wealth um, not just from slavery, but 100 years of legal apartheid and even what's happening now and not believe that something is owed to those descendants to try to make it right. So um, one of the pieces that will be coming later in the project will really be a piece that's assessing what is owed and how do we get to it. Well, um, what you're saying is true, but that's all ties into the fact that that's why probably why they always try to dismiss it and overlook it and discredit it. Because as long as they can do that, then they never have to deal with the realization, yeah, we do owe these, owe these people. 100%. What, what's amazing, uh, this is why I love history, I study history so much, is uh, white Americans were arguing against reparations, like, literally in the months after slavery ended. Um, when you had actual victims of people who had, like, two months earlier been enslaved, white Americans were saying, well, we shouldn't give them anything special. It's going to make them lazy. So this argument that uh, black people owe nothing uh, for enslavement really began right at the end of enslavement when you had living victims of the institution. We've never wanted to make this right. Uh, really, uh, if you read my opening piece, Abraham Lincoln, once he decided he needed to end slavery, wanted to send black people somewhere else, um, did not want us to be here. So we were never supposed to actually exist in America outside of being used for bondage. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've actually, as a people, been being punished ever since. And he gave the slave masters reparations. Yes, yes. The only people in America <laughs> who have ever received reparations for slavery have been the white people who enslaved us. That's crazy. You, you, you started off by talking about the fact that they don't educate us on slavery. Why do you, why do you think that is? I think there's two reasons. So slavery, uh, the very fact that there are 40 million black people in this country right now gives lie to our founding uh, myth, right? Our founding myth is that we are a country born out of freedom, out of the desire to be free. But you can't really make that argument when the very people who founded this country were enslaving one-fifth of the population. Mm -hmm. One out of every 20 Americans at the Revolution were enslaved. So because of that, um, we don't want to teach about this thing that gives lie to who we are. How do you teach about the greatness of George Washington and they say he owned 200 people and forced them to work on a slave labor camp. Absolutely. How do you teach about Thomas Jefferson and say, you know, look at Monticello, but uh, enslaved people who were getting their backs laid open with whips are the ones who built Monticello. Mm. Uh, they're the ones who produce the wealth that allows Thomas Jefferson at the age of 33 to be able to write the Declaration, right? So all of these things are very uncomfortable because they give lie to who we want to believe we are as Americans. However, I argue that um, the founders... Even though they didn't believe in the ideals, they set out the ideals and the template that allow black people to fight and resist and bring us closer to our democracy. So we shouldn't actually be ashamed of that. Um, we should actually feel very good about that. But it's just um, we don't want to deal with our, our founding hypocrisy and our paradox. We want to believe that we were the great, greatest, most freest country in the world. And it's just not true.
All right, we got more conversation with Nicole Hannah. We're going to talk more about this 1619 Project. If you haven't read it, man, go do your Googles right now and read it. But we'll be back with more Nicole Hannah-Jones right here on The Breakfast Club. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne the God here. We're back with Nicole Hannah-Jones. She is an investigative journalist for the New York Times, and they got this amazing piece called The 1619 Project that's available right now. Now, Nicole, you know, even when you talk about uh, this being the 400th anniversary of slavery, I always wonder... How should I respond to that? Is that something to be celebrated? No, certainly not celebrated, but it's something we should commemorate and mark. It's not a history. It's really saying you can look across all these aspects of modern day society and see the legacy of slavery. And I'll just give a quick example. We're the only Western industrialized country that doesn't have universal health care. Mm -hmm. The only one. That goes back to slavery and the, the desire to deny black people access to common goods. So when you look at polling on this, if white Americans believe that black people will benefit from a social program, they oppose that program. Mm. So this racialized opposition means not only are black people being hurt, but millions of white Americans don't have health insurance, can't get access to good health care, are dying because of white racism against black folks. So you can't even contain the harm. And in the magazine, we give tons of examples, right? Sugar, why there's so much traffic in Atlanta, uh, geography, capitalism, the dysfunction in our politics. All of this kind of goes back to that original sin. And that's really what uh, this project is trying to do, is not just force us to reckon with the past, but force us to reckon with the ways that all Americans are still suffering from that legacy. Did you say traffic in Atlanta? Yes. Explain that. So there's a piece in there that talks about how uh, when they're designing the interstate highway system in Atlanta, uh, they're really, including Hartsfield, Mayor Hartsfield, whom the Atlanta airport is named after, wants to create uh, traffic patterns that will split black communities off from white communities. Wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> you have to be at the New York Times to make sure these stories are told. I don't understand why we get so upset when our people want a seat at the table. I'll get a seat at the table. Now, it clearly matters what you do when you get that seat at the table. Like, if you go into these institutions and you're not pressing back and you're not uh, pushing back against the narrative and creating a counter-narrative, then it doesn't do any good for us to be there. But we clearly have to be there uh, if we want to shape the way that we're seeing in the world. Yeah, you don't want to be Ben Carson. You do not. <laughs> at least not the, the current iteration. Yes. Because I, I, I learned stuff reading this article. Like, I did not know that slavery ended because of the 13th Amendment. I always thought it was the Emancipation Proclamation as well. Yeah, so uh, what people don't get is Abraham Lincoln was actually not that concerned. He was opposed to slavery, but he was also like, if we can keep slavery and keep the union together, we'll keep slavery. Absolutely. And the Emancipation Proclamation was a war tactic. It was trying to punish the Confederate states and say, if you don't come back to the union, we will free your labor source and then you'll be bankrupted and have to. So, yeah, the, the emancipation only freed those who were enslaved in the Confederacy, which Lincoln actually didn't have control over those because it was in the Confederacy. And it would take the end of the Civil War uh, to actually get the end of legal slavery in the United States. Now, well, what, except, of course, if you're incarcerated. Which is what's going on right now. Yes. And what exactly was the 13th Amendment? It was that. Yeah, so the 13th yes. Amendment ends slavery. And it's funny because our Constitution protects slavery but never mentions the word slavery. And the first time the word slavery is ever mentioned in the Constitution is when they end it. And that's what the, the 13th Amendment says, that you cannot have slavery uh, except unless someone commits a crime and is incarcerated. And so, of course, a lot of people understand what that is meant, which is that um, we have implemented a new quasi-slavery through our penal system. Yes. So. How did that make it hard for you as a journalist, social media, like like just Twitter? like? Yeah, I mean, it can be, as you know, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. So Twitter can be incredibly democratizing. What I love about Twitter is before, 
if a place like the New York Times wrote something that people felt was derogatory or unfair to our community, all you could do was send a letter to the editor and they may or may not publish it. But now, like, People can instantly say this was racist or this was wrong. And they're changing in real time mm-hmm. the way that we're reporting, the headlines we're writing. And I love that because I think it gives marginalized people power that they didn't have before. Uh, but then there's also like the Twitter mob, right? That's not thinking things through. That's not being realistic. That is attacking anyone who doesn't say exactly what they want to say. And that can be very toxic. So I just drink a lot of bourbon and take uh, Twitter <laughs> breaks. <laughs> My only problem is I don't have any problem with your opinion as long as it's an informed opinion. Did you yes. really read the 1619 problem? Nine, nine, nine oh, times out of ten, no. That's what I'm saying. Or did you just look at people's reaction to it and then you came to your own conclusion? Because if you read it, there's no way you could possibly have anything bad to say about it. Thank you for saying that. I mean, one, we were extremely careful. Um, I understood how fraught this project was, so we were careful with everything, including language. Like, I I created a style book. Like, we're not going to call people slaves. We're not going to uh, use blacks as a uh, noun, right? We're mm. gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a very consistent style. What's wrong with calling people slaves? Only because, like, back then in historical context, they looked at us as three fifths of a person. So. I think that slaves is very dehumanizing. Slaves says that this is you as a person, that you were a slave. I think slave, uh, being enslaved was a condition. It was a condition that white people enforced upon us, but it wasn't who we are as our identity. And so using the term slave was a way to to denote that we were not equal to them. We couldn't be citizens. We were not, we were not fully human. And I don't choose to replicate that when speaking about our ancestors. I, I like to talk about slavery as a condition, but not as uh, who that who these people were. But weren't they trying to dehumanize us? Though? Of course, but we yeah. shouldn't repeat that language, right? So they created this language to dehumanize us. And every time we repeat that, then we're actually kind of following their same logic. So that's why, like, I don't use slave owner. I, I call them enslavers. Like, make it uh, make it more real what they're doing. I don't use the word plantation. I call it forced labor camps because that was what it was. So this language is all the ways that we justify what was really uh, the most atrocious, besides the uh, genocide of Native Americans, the most atrocious things that this country ever did. And we should use the language that shows that. I call them racist, bigot, crack-ass, cracker, white devils. Yeah, I don't think that's going to get in the New York Times, but... (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think think America has yet to apologize for slavery? Oh, God. I think that white Americans believe if an apology comes, then the next thing you have to do is try to remedy the wrong. Yeah. Right? Which is obvious. You can't say, I'm sorry for this wrong, and then not try to fix it. So by not apologizing, by saying, we don't have to apologize to you for anything, um, then you don't then have to take the next steps and to uh, do the remedy. I mean, I hear every single day a white person saying, uh, all these white people died to free you. So why are you complaining? And I'm like, well, one, you don't get credit for fighting to end the institution you created. Like, that was your obligation. Uh, But two... Tons of black folks also fought beginning in the Revolutionary War and were fighting actually for your freedom because we didn't get it. And we also fought in the Civil War. So it's it's this continuous downplaying of what the harm was and an inability to uh, admit it because then you can't admit it and then not do anything about it. Well, I would would love to give these away at at our juice bar. Angelia and I own a juice bar in Brooklyn. We would love to give it away. I want to get that frame. You know, we have the International African American Museum opening in Charleston, South Carolina. It's going to be on Gatson's Wharf. And you spoke about it in the article about how, you know, the slaves that came from West Africa right into that port. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's like 50, 60 percent of all slaves. Um, Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. Absolutely. So I would love to get that framed and put in that museum. 
Yeah, we would love to do that. And we've given, um, we've sent copies so far to about 10 to 12 HBCUs. And we're going to also uh, be doing events all across the country, also at HBCUs mm -hmm. as well. Tell them again how they can read it online. If you go to uh, the New York Times and just look for 1619 Project, it's online. You can also go to the Pulitzer Center. And um, if you Google 1619, you can download the entire project for free at the Pulitzer Center. You got to read it. Must That's read. Right. All right. Well, it's Nicole Hannah-Jones, and it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Thank you. Yes, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne the God, Angela Yee. DJ, everyone on vacation, huh? Yes, he's on vacation because uh -huh. it is Angela Yee Day today, so he decided to take a vacation to celebrate. Well, I'm taking mine tomorrow, goddammit. I ain't <laughs> coming back till next. When you coming back? I'm gone for a whole week next week. All right. For real? Yeah. Why you only tell me? What you mean a whole week? Like it's all been next on week? the schedule. If you would read your emails and read the schedule, nah, yes. I don't talk to y'all. I'm going to be in France. No. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's dope. Well, I'm taking off then, Eddie. I'm letting y'all know right now. I ain't coming. I'm on vacation okay. after Angela Yee Day. I need, I need a mental health break, goddammit. <laughs> hey, listen, salute to uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones uh, for coming in. Mm -hmm. And um, if you haven't read the 1619 Project, you really need to. And tomorrow at 10 a.m., if you're in New York City, you can pick up the 1619 Project magazine issue and special section for free for as long as supplies last just outside the New York Times building on 40th Street. You can't miss it. It's right in Times Square. It's across from what? What's that, Port Authority? Yeah, I think I saw they had set up at Afropunk also. They had a booth there at Afropunk. You know what else they was probably doing at Afropunk? Registering people to vote. Mm -hmm. See, that's what you do when it's a, it when it's a large group of people. Y'all on Janelle Monet asked for no goddamn reason. We got a rumor report coming up, yeah? Yes, let's talk about Dave Chappelle surviving R. Kelly. Um, you know, they had asked him to be in that documentary. And we'll tell you now there's some back and forth about the R. Kelly documentary and Dave Chappelle's stand-up on uh, Netflix. Now, I think Dave Chappelle got the last word on this one. We'll yeah. talk about it, though. It's The Breakfast Club. It's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne the God, Angela Yee. It's time for Rumor Report, and we got to talk about the God named Dave Chappelle, damn it. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. Rumor. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Well, Dave Chappelle's stand-up on Netflix, Sticks and Stones. Um, I, actually, I watched that yesterday while I was at home. I saw, it live, on, I saw it live on Broadway. And so it was, I was, yeah, it was very funny. Amazing. I think it's his best stand-up, period. I was laughing. Some of it, I was like, should I be laughing at this? Yes, you should. Because <laughs> some of it, I was like, whoa. But I guess that was the whole point of it, clearly, sticks and stones. Um, but anyway, one person who personally was mentioned in there and took offense was Dream Hampton. And she's saying that some things that he said in his stand-up about her were not accurate. Now, Dave Chappelle was talking about Dream Hampton, who did the R. Kelly documentary that was on Lifetime, the docuseries. Uh, asked him to be in the docuseries. Here's what he says happened. Right before I'm going on stage, she goes, Dave, I'm working on a documentary on, about R. Kelly. Would you like to be in it? And I was like, nah, bitch, I'm cool. <laughs> I went on stage, I just forgot about the And then two years later, the documentary comes out. Dream's promoting it, and she keeps bringing me up. She said, I asked Dave Chappelle to be in my documentary, and he said it was too hot for TV. Bitch, I did not say that. It does not even sound like how I talk. Oh, that's too hot for TV. I would never say that. Hilarious, minus the use of the word bitch, though. Yeah, I can do without that. All right, now, Dream Hampton tweeted, quick fact check. I didn't personally or casually invite Chappelle to be interviewed for the doc. The producer responsible for celeb outreach officially asked him more than once. I haven't seen or talked to him in about eight years. Weird he told it weird he told his joke that way. Now I could be wrong, but didn't earlier this year Dream said she reached out to these people? Didn't she do interviews and tweet out 
that she reached out to Dave and Erica Badu and now I don't recall others. that, but maybe she told the person who was responsible to reach out. Maybe that was her way of saying she reached out. The person that was reaching out to celebrities was the person. Who knows? But I'm just telling you what she said. She said, I also obviously didn't need Chappelle to talk about R. Kelly personally. I wanted him to talk about the two pieces of cultural criticism he produced about R. Kelly for The Chappelle Show. I also have never in my life said the words too hard for TV because, bitch, that's not how I sound. <laughs> I'm from Detroit, bitch. She said, right. no, I wasn't trying to just invite anybody that would possibly say something bad about R. Kelly. I asked our producer, T. Ferris, to invite him on because Dave Chappelle already said this. This really isn't rocket science. What did he say? Um, it's a YouTube that she posted. Oh, she posted the Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. pee on you skit. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, because, uh, I, I, you know, when we spoke to, I forgot what was the young lady name we spoke to that survived R. Kelly. Right, and you were asking her be, uh, about, about urinating. About, like, the boondocks. And, and she talked about how hurtful that was because yes. R. Kelly was really doing those things, according to her. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at it from our perspective. We thought we were making jokes about R. Kelly. But these are real people that were affected Absolutely. in real life. Absolutely, 100%. Right, so I think it makes sense for her to reach out to him because of that. Yes. And Not I, because I, he personally knew R. Kelly, but because he did do some and I still, sketches. And I still think it makes sense to clown on R. Kelly. Yeah, on him. I understand, though, when you're the person involved that it might hurt and feel different. Like like she said, Mm -hmm. it was women really getting peed on. I get it. All right, now let's talk about Richard Pryor Jr. since we're talking comedians. All right, so... I thought you were talking about since we're talking peeing on people. Okay. There was nothing about peeing in this story. No, I didn't read it. All right, so apparently uh, Richard Pryor's ex-bodyguard is saying that Richard Pryor wanted to put a hit out on Paul Mooney. So, here's what he had to say. The relationship became fragile because Paul Mooney had f***ed Richard's son by that time. What? Did, was there ever a conversation to retaliate what? against that? Yes. To the extent of, of Richard didn't want him on the planet no more. What happened now? Okay, so according to <laughs> Richard Pryor's ex-bodyguard, his name is Rashan Khan, He's saying that Richard Pryor put a hit out on Paul Mooney because Paul Mooney had sex with Richard Pryor Jr. And he had an issue with that. So I'm assuming Richard Pryor Jr. was a child at this time. I don't know exactly how old he was, but he was a... Well, you know what? I'm going to let Richard Pryor Jr. tell you what he had to say because TMZ caught up to Richard Pryor Jr. And they asked him about these allegations about Paul Mooney allegedly having had sex with him. Well, whatever happened in my life, uh, it happened when I was young, uh, way way before the 80s. So, okay. okay, so was it a consensual relationship? How could any relationship be consensual if I was a teenager? Lord have mercy. So he's not necessarily saying it's true about Paul Mooney, but he's not flat out denying it. Now, Paul Mooney, for his defense, has flat out denied these allegations. He has said that there is no truth to anything that Rashawn Khan, Richard Pryor's ex-bodyguard, had to say. And he's flat out saying it's not true. I don't know. You decipher this. I don't know anything about any of this. All I know is Paul Mooney is the only interview we have uh, never... We have chosen to never air on The Breakfast Club. No, it was that. And there was also, a, I believe, a Dej Loaf interview we never aired. But that's because it was terrible, though. It had nothing to do with the okay. things that she was saying. It was, And I'm sure it was a couple of Migos interviews early on that was really bad, just because they weren't ready. We aired, though. Or we at least put them up. But Paul Mooney, we I, we didn't air. That was years ago. Too. That had a to be long like time eight, ago. nine years ago. Oh, we've been on air for almost nine years. That had to be Ed, like eight years he ago. He had some allegations against you in that interview. He had allegations against all of us. Paul Mooney said that I was in a gay club in the 80s. I'm like, how old do you think I am, sir? <laughs> like, like, how old do you think I am? But he was just wild in that interview. Like, it was like, <laughs> what was going yeah, on? he was just angry about 
We Life might gotta put that out. After he dies. I think that'd be a good one to release. You think I, we'll still be on? I mean, even if we're not, we still got the content. Okay, well, yeah. I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. Yes. Sheesh. What I got coming up? I don't know. Uh, Charlemagne. Oh. We know you got Donkey of the Day on the way. Who are you giving oh, your donkey yes. to in the 80s? That segment. Yeah, who was I giving my donkey <laughs> in the 80s? When I was a child. When I was a junior. Okay? So if I was in the gay club with Paul Mooney in the 80s, he'd been messing with kids, allegedly. Right? <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. Now, now uh, four after the hour, I want to talk to all of these people who have negative things to say about Janelle Monet, who forced Janelle Monet to apologize for no goddamn reason. Okay? Let's talk about it. I was born a donkey. It's the donkey of the day. That's pretty funny. Charlemagne the devil? Possibly. <laughs> the Breakfast Club. Yes. Donkey today for Wednesday, August 28th goes to every single one of you who forced Janelle Monet to apologize for something she had no business apologizing over. Now, I missed this in real time, but yesterday I saw an, ad- uh, an article on Madame Noir with the headline, Janelle Monet apologizes for saying people should register to vote mm-hmm. while they're waiting in line for a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Okay. Now, I had no problem with that because it's a great idea, and it's actually what a teenager named David Ledbetter did in Charlotte, North Carolina this weekend. Uh, drop one of clues bonds for David Ledbetter. All right, he was in Charlotte this weekend, and he pulled up to a Popeye's in the area to make sure people were registered to vote. Now, I saw people say, well, most of the people in the line were already registered to vote. You know what I say to that? So what? Okay, what does that have to do with anything? People who are registering others to vote don't know that people are already registered, okay? Uh, And nor are they under the assumption that you're not registered. Their job is to make sure you are registered, and if you're not, to get you registered, okay? Simple concept. And that's what David Ledbetter was doing, and that's what Janelle Monae suggested. Now, let me read to you what Janelle Monae tweeted. Uh, She put, perhaps we can put voting booths at every Popeye's location. While we wait on that sandwich, you can register and vote. Now, I don't know about the voting booths at every location part, but what seemed to set the woke, and I put woke in parentheses, woke community off, was the, while we wait on the sandwich, you can register to vote. Who could Janelle Monae possibly be offending by tweeting that? Did that offend you, Angeline? Not at all. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but for the next year, wherever there is a high number of people, you will see people out registering folks to vote. You will see voter registration drives everywhere, in the mall, movie theaters, libraries, neighborhood rallies, festivals, farmer markets. Oh, and even your local Popeyes. It's a standard procedure for this time of year, people. So Janelle Monet's suggestion isn't even a bright idea. It's just an idea that most people who are about that voter registration life have. All right, you go where the people are, a simple concept. But social media doesn't do simple because she got immediate backlash. <laughs> or should I say backlash? Because this is all black Twitter. And according to Madame Noir, uh, social media seemed to be annoyed by this tweet and reminded Janelle that black voter turnout has made a major impact in recent elections. Black women specifically were the highest percentage of voters to turn out to try and keep our celebrity and chief Donald Trump out of the White House. They also said that her comments overlooked the reality that voter suppression efforts are still a big issue in this country. Let's unpack those two things, as my therapist said. Let's unpack this. All right. uh, Number one, let's not assume. That the only people online to get the chicken sandwich at Popeye's are black. Mm-mm. All right? Not that, at all. that social media is your first mistake. I honestly don't know who's in those lines across the country. I have no idea. But let's it's not very ass- diverse. It, it has to be, right? <laughs> let's not assume they are just all black. But if they are, so what? 
All right, you people are absolutely correct when you say black voter turnout has made major impact in recent local elections, and black women did show up for Hillary, but the facts are black voter turnout fell in 2016. All right, even as a record number of Americans cast ballots, this is a fact. In the 2016 presidential election, black voter turnout decreased and white turnout increased. These are all things you can Google, people. Okay, white voter turnout in 2016, 65.3%. Black voter turnout, 59.6%. First time black voter turnout for a presidential election has declined in 20 years. Now, mind you, in 2012, black voter turnout reached a record high. All right, uh, 66.6%. So in 2016, black voter turnout rate dropped 7%. When Barack Obama was on the ballot in 2012, the black voter turnout surpassed that of white people for the first time. Google is your friend, bro. So when you see people putting an emphasis on black voters this year, whether it's getting them to register or if you are registered, getting you out to vote, this is the reason why. Now, as far as people saying her comments overlook voter suppression, listen, voter suppression is a real issue. That's why we should all support Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight 2020. I've gotten on this radio and said, I don't know why American people aren't raising holy hell about the fact that it's been proven Russians interfere with our elections, and Mitch McConnell, even with this knowledge, has shot down two election security bills. So yes, the fight may be fixed on a lot of levels, and until we can do something about uh, election security and voter suppression, democracy as we know it is dead. But what the hell does voter suppression have to do with voter registration? Okay, voter suppression won't even affect you if you're not registered to vote. And if you are registered to vote, but you choose to sit home because you don't like any of the candidates, guess what? Voter suppression doesn't affect you then either. Either. Okay? You know why? Because voter suppression only affects voters. My God. Oh, Janelle Monet, you better than me because I would have told these people to suppress these nuts in their mouth. All Whoa. right? Uh, what? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. That guys. is harsh. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry. Okay. Let me rephrase. Janelle Monet, you better than me because I would have told these people to suppress these uh, walnuts. walnuts in their mouth. Hey! All right? But Janelle is a better <laughs> human than I am because she apologized. All right, she tweeted out, you know, when other people say things on here that are wrong or misguided, I wonder why they don't just admit they're wrong and learn from it. So I'm going to do that now. I think the tweets that I posted about registering and voting were insensitive and wrong. Specifically, they ignored, ignored the very real issues of voter suppression that have impacted my community for years and me directly. Thanks to all of you for calling me out. I'm not reading any mm. more of this. No, Janelle, you are not wrong. All right, just because people are outraged doesn't mean they are right. Just because you receive a bunch of backlash doesn't mean you were wrong. In this era of groupthink and social media mobs, everybody is pre preaching to the choir because they don't want to get attacked. That's why you can't trust what anyone is saying because they are only saying what you want to hear because they don't want to offend. F that. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Janelle, if you were actually wrong and they schooled you, cool, but you're not wrong. These people are just too woke. And I hate wokeness. All right, I want woke people to get some sleep. I sleep well at night because I meditate. I do CBD. And because I'm at peace with myself, I love sleep. I don't want to be woke all the time. I want my eight hours. And some of you woke folk need your rest. You've been woke too long, and it's starting to affect your emotional and cognitive behavior. All right, you so woke, you don't even realize how tired y'all are. Y'all just tired. Tired-ass ideologies, tired-ass tweets, tired-ass logic, tired-ass outrage. Y'all Twitter is just tired. Now, I was watching Bill Maher this weekend. And they had a convo about social media, uh, Twitter specifically. Do we have this clip ready? This is Bill Maher talking about uh, social media outrage. Bill Maher and his panel. Let's hear it. 
One problem with today is that we try to resolve these issues in the worst possible place, which is Twitter, mm. yeah. social media. <laughs> well, how, I mean, how much more right. meaningful is the conversation of a group of people sitting around a table who disagree with each other, but can be there face to face in real social infrastructure, yes. having an interaction, I, versus doing it in this place that takes us from zero and it's to such a small sliver of people. And it doesn't represent the vast majority even of liberals. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. There's that charity stand up to cancer. I want to start stand up to Twitter. That's right. Damn it. Hmm. Please give all those fake outraged people on social media who made Janelle Monet apologize the biggest he are. Can't believe she didn't realize hmm. that it's sold out. What? The chicken sandwiches. Stop it, you. <laughs> All right. Well, and thank it, you so much, Charlemagne, and, and, for that and, donkey and, of the day. And if you're mad at me, my at is uh, C to God on Twitter, C-T-H-A-G-O-D, or uh, at C to God on Instagram. I don't check Twitter anyway, so slander. Go ahead. I love this type of stuff. Mm. What? Ask All me right. what? Coming up, we have Ask Ye. We oh, need you to... Eddie had up a sign to <laughs> Ask you. Ask you what? <laughs> The segment we do twice I a week. I forgot. You ain't only been doing this show for eight years. <laughs> what do you got coming up in Ask Yee? <laughs> Probably people asking questions. That's right. 1-800-585-1051. You got a question for Angela Yee? Call up right now and ask us. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. What's up? It's Angela Yee, and it's time for Ask Yee. 800-585-1051 is the number if you have any questions. Now, right now, we have a Red on the line. What's up, Red? Good morning, Angela Yee. How you feeling? Good morning, Red. What's your issue? Okay, I'm dealing with two females, right? One, I'm dealing with sexual, and the other one, we just friends. Mm -hmm. The one that I'm dealing with sexual is jealous of the one that I'm not having sex with because I'm, like, helping her out as far as, like, babysitting her kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, if she needing to do anything for her, I got her back. But I also have the girl that I'm having sex with, I have her back, too. But she feels like that I'm putting her second. Okay, a couple of things here. The girl that you're having sex with, is that your girlfriend or just some girl you randomly have sex with sometimes? Like, she's, I guess you could say my girlfriend. See, all right, so this already sounds like part of the issue. She doesn't even know where her place is in your life. Yes, she do, because I explained, to this, explained this to her before we even got involved. You know what I mean? So what are you guys? Is it, are you just involved? Are you just having sex? Because I'm still not sure what's happening here. Okay. What, the girl that I'm having sex with, we in a relationship. All right. So why don't you say that? Why do you keep just calling her the girl you're having sex with? She's just my girlfriend here. Put it like that. But the other friend, <laughs> we just real cool. Like, we've never had any sexual nothing. And my girlfriend is jealous of that. Do they know each other well? Do they Are they around each other? No. My, my friend wants to meet her, but my girlfriend don't want to meet her. So it's just like... Right. Know. You know, and I'm going to tell you this. I know where you're coming from, Red, because I do have guy friends who I've never been in any type of relationship with, never had any situation. And I have had their female friends have issues with it. But after time, when they see that, A, your friend isn't going anywhere, and I think they also have to feel comfortable around you. So, like, one of my best friends that's a guy, he's married, and his wife loves me. We, we get along great. And I don't know how she felt about me at first because they were just getting to know each other. And I've known him since we were you know, probably about 14 years old or maybe younger uh -huh. than that. No, since we were like 14 years old. So I've been in his life for a long time. How long have you known this woman that you do a lot of things for that's, that you're not sleeping with? We've been friends. We've been friends for like about four or five years now. Okay, you're not attracted to her in any way. That's just your friend. Yeah, nothing sexual, none of that. Yeah, so I her think... kids love me to death. I love her kids. We all get along, but my girlfriend, she's like... 
Oh, you putting it, it first. Woo, 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 woo. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah, that's not, that's not a good sign. Somebody can't <laughs> be jealous know. of your friends. And she's going to have to get to know her. And you're going to have to initiate that happening. And if she doesn't want to meet her, that's on her. But I always do feel it's a bad sign when somebody is insanely jealous and won't be open-minded about friendships that you have that are harmless. But I will say on your behalf, you have to make the, quote, girl who you're sleeping with feel more secure because even how you explain who she is to me, it makes me feel like she doesn't have any meaning in your life. So she also might I mean, be feeling... But we, ins- do, but we do everything together, like, eat, like, for real, like, we go out to eat, we just have a little dinner. Red, I feel you, but even how you express who she is to me, it wasn't like the my girlfriend or the woman I'm dating, it was the woman I have sex with. And yeah, I understand. So I, understand. I think it's important to make her feel secure in your relationship because you do have to take into consideration her feelings. And there might be some ways that you're not making her feel like she's secure in her space. So y'all need to have that conversation. And you need to say, look, this is my friend. She's not going anywhere. Of course, you're my woman and I care about how you feel. And I don't want you to feel away about things. So I would love for you to meet her. If you're still uncomfortable after that, we'll have a conversation about it and figure out how to move forward. But I want you to make an effort. Okay, that's cool because this, Another girl. I mean, my girlfriend, she's kind of confusing me, though, because she's like, one minute she wanted to meet, and then the next minute she don't. So it's just like, oh, no, man. Yeah, just set it up. And also, I will say this about when you're in a relationship and you do have friends of the opposite sex, you know, do set some parameters like, listen, I don't want my girlfriend to feel away, so let's not do any phone calls after a certain time. And I think that's appropriate. And she shouldn't want to do that either. She should want your your woman to feel secure if that's your friend. Yeah, true that. Plus, my 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 lady friend, she works third shift, so like, we don't have no communication for real except when I go watch the kids. So that was the issue too. Oh, you gotta watch her kids and lose. I'm like, well, her kids' fathers are not around. One's deceased, and the other two just ain't. In the picture, so right. I mean, yeah, and so maybe that's something that you know your girl will get to know her, get to know her kids, and maybe she'll want to help out also. But I think you got to incorporate everybody together. Cool, thank you. I appreciate that. Y'all have a good morning. I love y'all. I listen to y'all every day. All right, we love you too, Red. Tell your girl don't be mad. All right, bye bye. Okay. <laughs> All right, it's Ashy. 800-585-1051 is the number if you have any questions. You can ask Yee on Angela Yee Day on The Breakfast Club. What's up? It's The Breakfast Club, and it is time for Ask Yee. Today is Wednesday. It's August 28th. It's Angela Yee Day. And now we have Melissa on the line. What's up, Melissa? Hi. How are you guys? Hey, girl. Hey, um, I just have a question, um, which you might not be able to answer because it's kind of crazy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but essentially, I have a daughter outside of my marriage. She's 10 years old. My husband and I have been married for four years. Mm-hmm. And my daughter asked me to change her last name to my husband's last name. She's never had her biological father's last name at all. It's always been mine. Okay. So we brought it up to him. And his thing is, well, she's my child. So I feel like if you do anything, you should hyphenate the name and put my name first and then your husband's. And I just don't know if I agree with it. Because my daughter's whole reason for changing her last name is so that she has the same last name as everyone in her household. Right. Me and my husband. Right. So, and he's she's never even had your her father's last name, her biological no, father's. Hmm. No. And I I do really feel like. And I think you should take into consideration what the biological father has to say. But ultimately, it is uh, something that is more about your daughter and not about his ego. That's what I was thinking too. And I was trying to, you know, uh, think about his feelings about it. But then I was like, you honestly didn't step up to the plate until my husband came into the picture for uh, five years ago. Mm-hmm. I think but that, he, he really how was. old is your daughter? 
She's 10. Okay, she's 10. I think it should be something that your daughter kind of more has the decision on. This is something that is going to affect her. And so when I, it... When it comes to her, just ask her. Be like, would you? How do you want to do this? I had a conversation, you know, with your biological father, and maybe that's, you know, and you ask her. This is what he suggested, but I know you said you want to have our last name, but you want to hyphenate it, or do you want to have uh, just this last name and see what she has to say? Let her have some input so she can feel like she's making a decision, also. But ultimately, it is for her more than it is for him. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I already asked her already. I was like, what about hyphenating with your dad's name and then our name? And she just flat out said, no, I don't want his name in my name. Okay, well, <laughs> there's your answer. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, Ask Ye, that is Ask Ye for today. Now, coming up, we got Rumor Report, and we'll be talking about Young Thug. One of his ex-classmates talks about him punching a teacher in the face. All right, we got all that and more coming up on the World's Most Dangerous Morning Show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Yep, yeah, it's The World's Most Dangerous Morning Show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. Uh, DJ Envy's on vacation right now, but it's time for the rumor report, and we're going to talk about Young Thug being, well, a young thug. It's about time. What's going on? Yo, yo. Rumor report, rumor report. This is The Rumor Report. Talk with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Yes, apparently DC Young Fly and Young Thug went to school together in Atlanta. I knew that. And DC Young Fly did an interview with No Jumper, and he re- and he talks about Young Thug really living up to his name. Here's what he said. That's my guy from from back then. You know, I went to school with him too. Did you really? School. Yeah, you know, a lot what was of, that like? A lot of producers, a lot of he a real one. Thug punched the uh, teacher in eighth grade. I got kicked out. I forgot. The teacher said something to Thug. I think grabbed him. Like, you know, you know, as a child, you scared, so you like, but so he, he popped his ass. That walked out the room, bro. The teacher. The teacher walked out the room. That was the last time we seen that. All right, so there you have it. He's always been that way. I guess he really does wear the dress to hide the stick. Listen, we've all terrorized teachers in our day. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, we all have not. We haven't? No. (laughs) What do you mean we've all done that? We used to terrorize our teachers. I never punched a teacher. We've all terrorized teachers. We've done some wild things to teachers. I've seen people put defecation under teachers' noses. You did that? I didn't do that. My cousin did that. My cousin told my teacher, he said, you got something on your nose. She was like, where? And he was like, right there, right there. And he had, he had a duck butt and he put the tooth right under her. The fact that he duck his butt is disturbing. This is middle school. I didn't dig my butt in middle school either. Oh, that's a lie. I never dug my butt. I still haven't to this day dug my butt. You never, dug, you never scratched your butt? That's different. You said dug in. You know what I mean when I mean digging? Like, you, nobody ever scratched the inside of their butt? No, I have never Y'all done that. Y'all are crazy. Oh, we're crazy. Yes. Okay. I know for let's do that poll. Have okay, you ever scratched okay. the inside of your hole? Okay, shook one. We're crazy. <laughs> Have you ever scratched the inside of your <laughs> hole? No. Yeah, that's wild. I, I'll put the poll up for you though. Yes. All right. Now Kobe Bryant, he says that uh, Shaq would have uh, helped them win twelve rings if he wasn't so lazy. Check it out. Who would Shaq be if he had your work ethic? He'd be the greatest of all time. For sure. I mean, this guy was a, a force like I have never seen. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. I wish he was in the gym. I would have had 12 rings. By the way, I'm not asking this question to create feud between you and him. You, you I don't care, you bro. Listen, me, me and Shaq talk, sit down all the time, and I say, dude, if your lazy ass is in shape. They didn't uh, even play 12 seasons together. How the hell are they going to win 12 rings? I guess he was over-exaggerating. Yeah, maybe I'm taking this a little too literally. I see what he's saying, though, because ring count matters, and Kobe has five, so... 
if he had seven because he did go to the seven finals, he probably would be considered the greatest of all time. Even though people say Kobe was always doing a bad Michael Jordan impersonation. But you have to be really great to do a Michael Jordan impersonation. Right. Well, they did win three championships together. All right. Yes. And in addition to that, he also talked about a fist fight they had. I, I knew for sure Rick Fox, my teammates, they all thought I was absolutely crazy the day me and Shaq got in a fist fight. After that day, they were like, okay, Kobe, you're certifiable. And, and for Shaq, too, he's told me that that day was a big turning point for him because it was like, you know, he's generally used to talking trash and saying what he wants and nobody really stepping up and challenging him on that. And when he saw me challenge him on that, he was like, this kid's crazy. All right, who knew? <laughs> They were fist fighting. And now let's talk about Pete Davidson, comedian Pete Davidson. He went to the University of Central Florida to do a show. It was a back-to-school show for kids coming back to school or maybe this, their first time on campus as freshmen. And he got a little irate at the audience because they were using their camera phones. Check it out. Don't ruin the show for people who actually want to be here. That's the problem. It's because, like, half of you did it. That's what's Right, so people were not taking too kindly to how he treated uh, the audience. I don't see the problem, though. I mean, I've seen comedians flip out on people for recording the show, and I think that one thing that the audience doesn't understand is that is these comedians' livelihood. These comedians got, you know, stand-up specials that they're going to do probably for other networks. They go on the road, and they say this same material. They can't have it all over the Internet. Well, he apparently called them privileged little a-holes. And then he called them idiots and morons and told them to grow up. It's kind of weird when you have to, when you insult your audience at yeah, times. Yeah, but follow and directions. So they were tweeting, if you saw Pete Davidson tonight, we all came out of this uncomfortable-ass experience closer together. That's what one of the tweets were from the The funniest part members. about that is I saw a tweet that said, how dare you come talk to millennials like that, as if Pete isn't 24 years old. They said he sounded himself. like a grumpy old man. Hey, man, he's only 20. He's been through a lot. His all father, right, and Leslie Jones is leaving Saturday Night Live. She's really? moving on, yes. And apparently she's not coming back because she's got a lot more things on her plate right now. She's a hot commodity. She's filming Coming to America, that sequel. And she's also got a lot of other movies on deck. She's doing a Netflix comedy special. So congratulations to her. And she's also hosting Supermarket Sweep Reboot. So she has a, a bunch of things happening. So congratulations to Leslie Jones. And Travis Scott, his uh, documentary, Look Mom, I Can Fly, is on Netflix starting now. So make sure you guys watch that, and that will also be in theaters. Look, Mom, I can fly in select theaters. So I know there's a lot of Travis Scott fans out there. Make sure y'all check that out. I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. Now, this is the part of the show that gets stupid. Right. And the reason it gets stupid Envy's is mixed? because DJ Envy's not here, and he hasn't been here the whole show, but he always leaves a mix, and he talks during the mix. Right, and I, now, I used to do a Yee mix every now and then, but I guess that's over. It used to be a time where we used to try to give the illusion that, you know, we were really here. And we were really live, even though we are right now. But this this 9 o'clock hour blows that, okay? He's on vacation. Yes, he is. All right. Well, we appreciate him working still. Not really. <laughs> Maybe he's remotely doing the mix. Yeah. Okay. There he is. So here's DJ Envy live from remote doing the mix. <laughs> it's the People's Choice Mix coming up next. <laughs> it's The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is on vacation. and I've Must just be made, nice. I've just made an executive decision. I'm going to take one, too. 
God damn it. All right. That's uh, a good decision. <laughs> I'm going on vacation, too. Absolutely. I don't know why I'm here if ain't nobody else here. I'm here. I forgot it was a holiday this weekend. <laughs> and it's Angela Yee Day. It's a holiday today. Yes, it is. All right. And um, listen, I want to salute Nicole Hannah-Jones for coming today. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, she works at the New York Times, and they have this great article called The 1619 Project. Everybody should read it. You know, it is the 400, it's 400 years after the enslaved Africans were first brought to Virginia this year. And most Americans still don't know the full story of slavery. They always give you the watered-down version. But this 1619 Project, it is absolutely not watered down. And if you want a copy and you're in New York, Tomorrow at 6 a.m., you can pick up the 1619 Project magazine issue and special section for free for as long as supplies last outside the New York Times building on 40th Street, okay? Okay. Okay. All nope. right, and you know, today's Angela Yee Day, so shout out to everybody who's going to be coming out to celebrate with me because I did put together a whole fun-filled day of activities, and that's when, from 3 to 8 today. So make sure y'all watch me on my Instagram because you know I'm going to be posting a whole lot. And shout out to StockX. They helped me do a pre-day Yee Day yesterday at Live Nation, B Nation. We had a great time. Thanks to everybody who came out to celebrate with me. Mana was there. Notori was there. Uh, my girl Natina from Def Jam, Sean Pecas, Angie Martinez, Thea Mitchum, DJ Clue, uh, Christopher Martin, Naomi Cowan. They're both performing at Angela Yee Day today. Uh, my girl Jennifer from VP Records. A whole lot of people came out to show their love and support, and I really appreciate everyone who was in the building yesterday, everybody that's been so supportive of me. So thank you all again. Absolutely. When we come back, I got the positive note. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. It's Angela Yee, and it is The Breakfast Club. And Charlemagne, we're ready for your positive notes. I got the positive note coming, but I also want to remind people that um, the paperback of my second book, Shook One Anxiety, Playing Tricks on Me, it'll be out on September 3rd, okay? And on September 5th, I'll be at the Powerhouse Arena in Brooklyn, 28 Adams Street at 7 p.m. with the homie Dr. Jessica Clemens discussing my favorite subject, which is mental health and how to stay mentally wealthy. And I'll be signing copies of uh, the paperback, Shook One Anxiety, Playing Tricks on Me. So pull up on me next Thursday, 7 p.m., Powerhouse Arena, in Brooklyn with Dr. Jessica Clemens, okay? And speaking of mental health, always remember that your mental health is more important than whatever test you got to take, whatever interview you got to be on, that lunch date, that meeting, sometimes even the family dinner, that grocery run, whatever it is, okay? You shouldn't go anywhere you don't want to go, and you shouldn't do anything you don't want to do. That is what taking care of yourself truly is. And that's why sometimes the three most important words that can keep you mentally healthy is F that <laughs> right. Okay. Invest in your mental wealth. We see you tomorrow. Breakfast club, bitches. You all finished or y'all done?